The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European Edition. Today, the latest from the leagues as the continent counts down to those semi-final second legs. Will Real Man City Part 2 live up to last week? Will Real Man James Horncastle nail his prediction again? Will Real Man Unai Emery find a way to stop Klopp? Plus, Europa and Conference Leagues. Raw drama from Bochum. Bologna keep rocking and the Olympico. It's the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Listener, I can't begin to describe how nice it is that you've joined us again for our humble Euro Roundup. Today, we present for you Alvaro Romeo. Hola, Alvaro. Hola, James. Also with us today, Julien Laurence. Bonjour. Bonjour. Oui. Ça va? Très bien, et toi? Oui, bien, c'est. I met someone on Sunday. Oh, yeah, that's uh, nice. Cette commiseration that I didn't know, you know, at the place near me. And he said, commiseration for losing in the uh, the quiz. I oh. said, obviously, I didn't lose. I let the others win. That's what I do. You know, I'm a man of the people. Oui, oui. Uh, yeah. Okay, Jules. How did he know it was you? Were you, you know, giving out wrong information about something? And he recognized uh, No, we w- w- were waiting for a table and he was living with his lovely family. And he said he's oui. a big listener. He, you know, he loves the Totally Football uh-huh. shows in general. Yeah. Uh, and I said, thank you. And he said, I'm commiseration. And I was like, oh, no. I did say I was gutted to <laughs> lost to uh, Duncan Alexander and, uh, you know, Charlie before. But anyway, there's always next year. There is, as you say, always next year. Yeah. All right, well, a big shout-out to that person and his lovely uh, family. Uh, so much to talk about today. Of course, the Champions League, Europa and Conference League, semi-final second legs, lots of league action as well, a bit of titles being decided. Also, the news about Minoraiola uh, passing away last Friday. Really confusing news because, first of all, word had come through, I think, on the Wednesday, then his own social media put out a statement where he said, I'm... Absolutely still alive. And then, lo and behold, the word came through. Jules, did you have much dealings with uh, Mino? Yeah, I met him a few times. I knew more closely some people who work with him, around him. He's got a, a big team, other agents, but also lawyers, people in charge of the communication, the media of his players, like like Enrico Taki, that you must know, who was a Juventus before, that a lot of us know well. So, yeah, I have to say they've always been great to me and and I can understand why some people have uh, maybe negative opinions or negative maybe stories even, not that I've heard many, and what clubs didn't like dealing with him because he was such a tough negotiator. And mm. But from all the players that I knew who had him as, a, as an agent, they were always very happy. They could call at any time, either him or someone from the team and... And I do think that's eventually the most important, isn't it? Is well, he did this job to to really, really high standards. Yeah, uh, I think that yeah, the personal relationships that he had with so many of the the best players in the world, I think, speaks volumes. It's true that there was, I think, a negative perception of him because of what he represented for anyone who didn't know him. That side of the game, the explosion of 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 the of the of the money that that agents were. I mean, the, the, the money he made off the Pogba deal, I think, was something that made you know people think of him in a certain way. But when you look at the relationship that he had with Paul and with all the other players, mm. I mean, it 
it's a testament to the fact and the extraordinary life that he had, you know, from what he made from you know, humble beginnings. Or at least a restaurant from his family, yeah, yeah, it's all the way to the top. It's an incredible story. And Paul always says about that deal, he said, no one forced United to give him that commission. So he, in a way, clubs must have found something that made them be happy to pay him what he wanted and to pay his players what he wanted. And just to finish on that, for me, I mean, the fact that he never had contract with his, with his own the players that he was represented, for me, is everything. Because for all of us who, who know this world between agents if you don't have a contract trust me that someone else is going to come and steal your players especially the good ones and for him not to have any contract with any of his clients shows that kind of relationship Jimbo that you were talking about it was so strong that I didn't even need a contract so I think also that's that's a, you know that's a great thing about about him as an agent he was that good that I didn't even need a contract with a variety and Ibrahimovic Haaland, because he knew they would not leave. Or if they left, it's because they just wanted something a bit different. Mm. One of the true originals in the uh, in the world of football, uh, leaving us on Friday at the age of 54. All right, well, well, let's get some moments of the weekend then. Jules and Alvaro with Paddy Power. Alvaro. Real Madrid winning the title. Ala Madrid, as their uh, anthem says, uh, the truth is that this time they never had it easier. They won the title with four games to go. And uh, it's very, very impressive what Real Madrid is doing. There was, uh, I think, the will by Real Madrid, the fans, the supporters, to win the title, to celebrate the title as well, because they won it in 2020, but they couldn't. It was a totally different football. And this time, uh, I think that the party said it all. I mean, there is a picture of uh, Carlo Ancelotti smoking a cigar with Alaba, with Vinicius, with Rodrigo, alongside him. He looks like their teacher. He looks like their, their father. He looks like their friend. I think that Carlo Ancelotti, with that picture, I think that he has earned the heart of uh, probably every, every Spanish a neutral supporter and non-neutral supporters as well, because he is a true legend of Spanish football and, and football as well. I mean, he has won the five main leagues after winning the league with Real Madrid. So, congratulations to him, congratulations to Real Madrid. They have won 35 leagues, the record in Spanish football. All right, not the record in, in the world. We'll, we'll get on to that a bit later on, but very nice, Salvaro. Yeah, magnificent picture. Jules, what, what stood out for you this weekend? I was the Olympico on Sunday night between the two Olympic, of course, Marseille and, and Lyon at the Velodrome in an amazing atmosphere because it was also the... 35th anniversary of the, the South winners, the ultra group in Marseille. So they had incredible TIFOs and choreography and everything you wanted. And the game was really good. To be fair, there was controversy. Referees uh, made some really big call not to give a penalty to Marseille to allow the first Lyon goal. And, and then Lyon, who've struggled with inconsistency or consistency, whatever way you want to say, all season, put a really good performance because they... Now they're seven, they're 10 points behind Marseille. They, they haven't been nowhere near as good as Marseille this season. And yet, to go well to the Velodrome and win 3 0, it's a hell of an achievement. So well done to them. It shows you what could have been with that team and with Peter Bosch had they been more consistent. Mm. Did they mic the referee this time, Jules? No, although uh, both presidents, uh, Pablo Longoria, uh, the Marseille side, and Jean-Michel Olas, the Lyon side, actually said like it would have been good to hear why he didn't give Marseille the penalty in the first half at nil-nil for the, the Dembélé handball. And, and when he allowed the, the Lyon first goal, when Dembélé had a shot blocked by Paolo Lopez, the goalkeeper, but then Dembélé 
as a follow-through, if you want, stamped on Lopez's arm, and then there was the goal, and Marseille wanted the goal not to be allowed. And it would have been great to, to hear the referee, but it's not, it's not that frequent yet in France. So right. another okay. time, maybe. Batteries, that kind of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my moment of the weekend will actually be from uh, last midweek, I think, that extraordinary Bologna victory over Inter with the disastrous bit Radu. of goalkeeping, which... Radu. Radu, yeah, which saw Bologna take the points. But then the next day, Bologna, the players going to the clinic where uh, Sinisa Mihalovic is undergoing treatment now and uh, standing... At, he's up on, the, I think, the third floor up, but he's got his window open, he's leaning out. Of course, his hedge kind of hairless and but he's uh, you know he's looking uh, full of full of beans as, as ever um, and I think a really inspirational figure for them as we mentioned before since he's gone back into hospital they've not lost a game they've drawn with Juve with with Roma this Sunday with Milan and uh, and and got the victory over Inter but it was lovely lovely to see them going along and a player is very moved by the experience as was Sanisa himself a, a big get well soon uh, to him. Uh, all right, well, uh, off we go then with the show. And first of all, of course, the semi final second legs in the Champions League. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your four plus fold acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum months one to five per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. Plus, be All right then, Carlo's smoking a fat cigar on the top of an open-top bus on the weekend as Real Madrid celebrated the title. They'd beaten Espanyol 4-0. Karim Benzema coming off the bench to score his 42nd goal of the season. Oh, my word. And now they've got to turn this thing around on Wednesday. What are the Spanish press making of it? And what was the reaction, indeed, Alvaro, since we haven't spoken since early last week, to their 3-4 defeat at the Etihad. There was not a negative reaction by the Spanish press because Real Madrid uh, was 2-0 down during the game and 4-2 down during the game and they always managed to come back a little bit. Not a full comeback, but of course, just cutting the deficit. So I think that the the narrative and the overall feeling was that Real Madrid has uh, more than one life, that they are uh, very resilient, relentless, and that they managed to survive at uh, Etihad Stadium. That was the overall feeling. And as the days went by, and now that Real Madrid won the league as well, the feeling is very positive, optimistic. Is Real Madrid going to turn this situation around? Well, that is still to be seen. But definitely, they've got all the tools to do it. They won the title. They are... I believe that in a really good moment, their best scorer is scoring even when he doesn't start, like Benzema the other day against Espanyol. And mm. on top of that, the team is working very well. They are not depleted at all because they haven't had any significant injury. And uh, yeah, it looks like this game comes in a good moment for Real Madrid. And there is a belief. Of course there is. OK. Uh, they overturned a, a one-goal deficit to dump Paris Saint-Germain out of the Champions League Back in the last 16, they turned things around against Chelsea in the second leg at the Bernabeu, although the scoreline that night wouldn't be enough for them here. Jules, what do you think? I think the first leg, despite the result, uh, and there was just one goal in it, but there was more than one goal in it, in the sense that at the Bernabeu this season, we've seen Chelsea go in and, and literally bossing that game and winning, by the way. We saw PSG for an hour bossing that game and literally be so good. And I think Real Madrid will somehow find an extra gear now that they haven't really showed so far. I mean, we saw Sheriff going to Barnabéu and win. 
So they will need to find an extra gear somewhere that they haven't had yet. And I think it's difficult to do unless one, you play, if you don't play PSG and if you're, if you're chasing the game. The Chelsea game was a game that they, they were trying to control in a way because they had that lead from the first leg. Against PSG, they had to change the game, could not do that until just something crazy happened and Paris just bottled it and went away. This is, a, this is again, a very, very different scenario where they would have to chase a game against the best team in the world, level with Liverpool. And I think the more you chase a game against City, the more it's easier for them to come and, and, and counter you and find space in your defence and score a goal against you or create at least chances. And that's why I'm a bit worried for Real Madrid. They might, they might be able to control the whole game and just bliss City. Uh, they might take their time and it's nearly a half time and it's okay. They're still very much in it. Uh, or, or City will, will be too good for them on offensive transition because Real Madrid have to go for it and nil nil draw is not enough. So I find it quite fascinating. And if I, Carlo, I'm not really sure how you approach the game. Mm. If you go for it completely, if you take your time, but you take your time and that also suits City because if you don't put enough intensity in the game and you don't go and chase them and put them under pressure, then they will be comfortable on the ball because that's what they do. So I, f- I find this really difficult to call from a Real Madrid point of view on how you approach it tactically. What do you do? Do you start with Rodrigo? But then that means you're not as strong in midfield. You start with Valverde, which means you're strong in midfield, but maybe you don't have enough going forward to trouble them. I find, I find it really, really fascinating. And once again, it will depend a lot on if Walker can play for City or not. Mm. If he doesn't play, you have more of a chance. If he plays, it already becomes a bit more difficult. So the, the word seems to be that he's unlikely uh, to feature in this game yeah. or perhaps for the rest of the season. João Cancelo will be back available for Man City, as will Casemiro for Real Madrid. Yes. But no Alaba, right? Mm, well, let's wait until, until the game. I'm not 100% sure that Alaba won't feature. Really, I cannot say right now. Uh, but what I think is that Manchester City's season has been more draining for them, especially in the last month, because they are in a title race that is absolutely insane. I mean, they cannot miss any single point in the, the Premier League, whereas Real Madrid has had kind of a, a very too suave and easy and smooth uh, month in La Liga, uh, definitely in March and April. Uh, the Champions League has been the only uh, competition that has given them a little bit of trouble. So I think that that can play a factor as well. The fact that that Manchester City are involved in one of the strongest and most difficult title races I've seen. It's true what Jules is saying about Real Madrid and the fact that, uh, you know, against Chelsea, they were bossed at Santiago Bernabeu. But then, this Real Madrid team has been tremendously effective when it comes to converting the very little that they have had. Uh, against Chelsea, Modric and Rodrigo just made up an impressive goal when Real Madrid was losing 3-0 just to score that goal that was enough to send the game to the extra time. Against PSG, Karim Benzema and, and everyone else had three, four chances and they scored four goals. Uh, so the effectiveness of Real Madrid is very impressive, even at the Etihad. I always had the feeling that when Real Madrid had a counter-attack, even when they were attacking, they were more capable of scoring than Manchester City. Manchester City scored more goals because they attacked more and they had more chances, and Militao and Alaba made individual mistakes that cannot be repeated again. But then Real Madrid had, again, like an effect- effectiveness that no player in Manchester City has. The first goal of Benzema at the Etihad... I can guarantee you that no Manchester City player can score it. I'm not saying that Real Madrid are favourites, but what I'm saying is that they have been really, really effective when the right time came. Karim Benzema has scored 14 goals in the Champions League this season. 
Incredible. His, his XG is seven, slightly ha! below seven. Right. So he scored seven more goals than you would expect in the chances to go back to the point that Alvaro mm. just made. Seven more than what he scored in the chances and the position that he's had, including that one, that left foot volley on the edge of the box, not even looking at the goal with Zinchenko on him is incredible. Mm. It was widely hailed as one of the most entertaining games of the season. Are you anticipating this game being like that or a more mature grown-up affair? The thing is that probably I believe that Manchester City is going to try to make this game very academic. Uh, I saw them against uh, Leeds United and they were playing with, in reality, with two midfielders because I don't think that uh, Grealish, uh, who played that from, Sterling, Gabriel and Foden, those four are for me forwards rather than midfielders. I think Manchester City this time, they're going to make sure they use midfielders to control the game and to be more orthodox in the Guardiola way. I think that Manchester City will try to do that because if they repeat a second half, like the second half at Wanda Metropolitano, they are not going to qualify for the final. They have to avoid that. Because on the other hand, if the game gets very emotional, a roller coaster, I think Real Madrid will benefit from that. So I think that Manchester City will try to make it very orthodox to keep the possession, to play the ball, to make sure that they finish every scoring opportunity, they take at least a shot. You know, the basics, because otherwise, if they let it go to the emotional grounds, then Real Madrid has the know-how there, because they have been playing many, many, many years uh, in this kind of scenarios in which a goal was uh, putting them straight in, and a goal against them was uh, keeping them out of the competition. So they know how to negotiate in these patchy tournaments. And Manchester City, I believe, that they don't know that to, how to do that so well. Hmm. Interesting. Carlo Ancelotti, who last weekend became the first manager to win the title in each of the five major European leagues, can on Wednesday become the first manager to reach five Champions League finals. All this ahead of a derby clash with Atletico Madrid next weekend in La Liga. What a week. Anyway, we'll hear from James Horncastle with what will actually happen very shortly. But uh, what about Villarreal? Alvaro, uh, Unai Emery was doing his best to be positive after the 2-0 defeat at Anfield. I'm looking forward to showing you how we can take the game to Liverpool, <laughs> etc. Is there any hope, realistically, for the Yellow Submarine? There is a little bit of hope, of course, but I think that Villarreal uh, just didn't uh, have the, the right uh, game plan at Anfield because, you know, how many Champions League semi-finals have Villarreal played in their history, in the club's history, in 2006 and this one? Mm. It is tremendously difficult for a club like Villarreal to reach these stages. And I can understand that you want to have a proper planification of every single game. And uh, I have played through Nay Emery for doing that decision. But Villarreal was way too cautious. What's the point of reaching a Champions League semi-final if you don't even try to score a goal? So I think that they will have to change the approach to occupy Liverpool's half, which is really complicated. They did it against Juventus. They did it against Bayern, occupying Bayern's half as well. They did that at El Madrigal. But Liverpool is the ultimate challenge. And the last time that Liverpool lost by two goals was mm. in April 2021. This doesn't tend to happen. So Villarreal will have to do their best ever game, probably. And yet, this might not be enough. And on top of that, there is still the question, question mark on Gerard Moreno. Is he going to feature or not? We still don't know about that. I mean... The game is on Tuesday, unfortunately. If it was on Wednesday, he will have 24 more hours to recover. So the game may be slightly too soon for him. Mm. 24 hours too early, Jules. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure 24 hours or two, 240 hours would have made any difference. I just don't think they... 
I don't think they're just good enough. I think it was great against Juve. It was great against Bayern. You like, we like the way they play. We like the story. It's great. We love Dan Juma and we love Unai and all of that. And Pau Torres and everything you want. Albiol, all of that. I just think there's a time where the obstacle is just too high. Mm. And yet, I was disappointed like Alvaro that he didn't try a bit harder in the first leg. I understand the game plan. But I just think whether they had tried to play or not, it would not have made much difference. I just think Liverpool are too good. They're too good for every team in the world but one. And Villarreal is in that category as well. So they can try in the second half. What made me slightly doubt my theory now is that club obviously rested a lot of players in, on Saturday, mm-hmm. clearly because you think it's not completely done yet, that second leg. Uh, and club knows football better than me, of course. So I trust him. And I, I, I'm ready to give Villarreal a tiny, tiny, tiny chance maybe to come back in it. I see. All right. Well, on his way currently to Villarreal is James Horncastle. I expected him to be in Trasbon for the, the title, you know, for the title this weekend. I just thought as a Turkish football specialist. Or in Portugal. There's a or lot of Portugal. demand. Obviously Portugal as well. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of demands on Horncastle's time. We'll be making ours next. So, Mr. Guardiola, what's troubling you? I'm very tired, doctor. Tired, right. No, I'm very tired of winning. It's just too easy at the moment, you know? I need a challenge. Like finally winning the Champions League with Man City? Hey, (laughs) hey, hey, come on. Will Pep finally do it? At Paddy Power, we can't guarantee you a trophy, but we can guarantee you money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Minards 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. What time next on the Totally Football Show to catch up with James Horncastle, who so spectacularly predicted last week's first leg between Real Madrid and Man City. What are his thoughts on this midweek? Let's find out now. So after nailing it, James, so spectacularly last week, <laughs> what's your prediction? For Villarreal, Liverpool, and particularly for the second leg between Real Madrid and Man City. Uh, so, so I predict, uh, I predict a, a breakaway Villarreal goal. Um, mm. I can see Danny Parejo um, picking up the ball just outside of his own penalty area, sort of turning and twisting, which allows Lo Celso time to sort of just get behind the Liverpool midfield, take the ball on, progress it, um, and then lay it off for one of their speedy wingers. But Liverpool, I'd be very surprised if Liverpool aren't in the final. Hmm. Um, as for Madrid against City, simply, James, I predict chaos. That's all I predict. Right. Chaos with who's smiling at the end, at least? I believe Madrid will prevail. All right. Well, KG, but since you're on, let's ask you a bit uh, about Syria. Uh, this weekend and a little bit before this weekend, midweek, in fact, since our last show, Inter's surprise, for anyone who hasn't been keeping track of Bologna, surprise defeat at the hands of the Bolognese, uh, 2-1. I say at the hands of the Bolognese, more at the feet of their own goalkeeper, Jonat Radu, than anything extraordinary. A defensive lapse by him. Attenzione intanto a Radu che sbaglia il Bologna in vantaggio. Incredibile errore del portiere e 
ed è stato Nicola Sansone appena entrato sul terreno di gioco he was in for Handanovic who was swiftly in, reinstalled to the starting lineup for the weekend's game but it, it's handed the advantage in the title race to Milan yeah Milan now have their destiny uh, in their, their hands um, everyone expected uh, Inter to to beat Bologna and to to go in front and uh, you know you can see why they did everything in their power not to play that game because it was um, originally cancelled due to COVID cases Inter just wanted to be handed a 3-0 win because they showed up remember they actually did a training session Renato Dallara and Federico Di Marco one of their players got injured <laughs> during that <laughs> training session so they felt that they'd done everything possible to fulfill the fixture but you know as we see uh, you know, Bologna have made a habit of frustrating Juventus, Milan. Uh, they did frustrate Roma again on Sunday night. And Inzaghi kind of was faced with these, uh, the, the ghost, if you like, of, of the Derby della Madonnina in the spring when into a 1 0 up uh, and uh, dominated uh, and ended up losing 2 1, which is kind of what happened in this Bologna game. And so all eyes were on their fixture with Udinese at the weekend at the Dacia Arena. And they came through that just, Edin Dzeko, uh, <laughs> winning a penalty that was, eh, I mean, if he was in the Olympic diving competition, he would have got a gold medal, um, I, I think. So they won 2-1. Handanovic came up very big in that game. Um, in fact, Udinese's goal, uh, you know, it ultimately comes from him making a remarkable save from a free kick. He made a few others um, and he wasn't 100% fit, um, but because... As much as Inzaghi said, I've got full confidence in Radu. Um, you know, he was he was prepared to play Handanovic, even though Handanovic has been complaining of some abdominal pain. So yeah, but um, amazing atmosphere. I think up and down city, yeah. Um, mm. In part because uh, we've seen restrictions lifted, hundred percent capacity. Um, I think people want to go out out. Uh, again, and they appreciate going to games. And also this week, I think, was the first one where you didn't have to wear a mask um, at the stadium uh, huh? as well. So, I mean, the atmosphere at San Siro for Milan's game against Fiorentina was uh, was just incredible. Um, and Milan did what was asked of them and, and won late, as they did last weekend against, against Lazio. Mm, great atmosphere at the Stadio Olimpico Sunday night as well, as Bologna continued their run, having, having defeated the champions midweek. They then held... Roma to a goalless draw, uh, to our delight. Uh, that's an extraordinary run for Bologna. As mentioned on this podcast, Sinisa Mihalovic, their manager, is back in hospital, unfortunately suffering from leukaemia, but it seems to have inspired his team to the extent that they've gone six games without defeat, drawing with Milan, drawing with Juve, drawing with Roma and beating Inter in that run. Not always the easiest on the eye, Bologna at the moment, but a, an inspiring tale. While we wish Mihalovic and, and Bologna the, the best, what are your thoughts on Roma ahead of their next match at the Olympico, which is Leicester's visit on Thursday night in the Europa Conference League semi-final second leg? Still quite upbeat, um, regardless of, of the nil-nil um, against uh, Bologna on Sunday. Roma haven't won in four games now. Um, Tammy's gone five without a goal uh, as well, which I think is is a bit of a concern um, for them. Um, and also, I mean, the performance at the King Power, you know, whilst they got in front with a fantastic goal, um, you know, sort of Zaniolo finding Zalewski. Zalewski been a real revelation in the second half of this season. And I think Mourinho deserves credit for, 
you know, so, someone who's often typecast as, as, a, as a manager who doesn't give young players a chance. I mean, Zalewski's been granted one and has taken it with both hands. He set up Pellegrini, the captain, for the opening goal. And then, uh, yeah, the man of the match for Rome was Chris Smalling, really. Um, Smalling putting in blocks here, there and everywhere. I think Leicester could have won that game, um, but they didn't. And I think it's an entirely different proposition at the Olympico on Thursday because uh, uh, Roma, I don't think, have lost there in the Conference League so far this season. And the atmosphere will be unlike any that Leicester have played in this season. There'll be, what, close to 70,000 there. As you know, the, the Olympico, on nights when Roma fans feel and dream uh, that they are close to, to winning something, um, is a magical place. Um, and, and and quieting that crowd down will be, you know, one of the first kind of tasks that, that uh, Leicester have to do. Um, but I, I, I think the game plan might be quite similar. I th well, I say that, I, you know, I mean, Roma have been at their best in big games um, when they've, they've, they've sat back and counted with, with Tammy and Zaniolo. But having said that, they, they do surf on the waves of the crowd, as we, we saw in, mm. the, in the derby, which was a, probably their best performance against Lazio, what, a month ago. And then against Bodo Glimt, you know, in both of those games, they were, what, two or three goals up inside half an hour. So, as I said, Leicester, to, to have a chance of reaching the final, really have to ensure that doesn't happen and kind of stay strong uh, in those first 10, 15, 20 minutes and still be in the game because... Um, because I think that is an X factor for Roma. Very good. Uh, Roma, in the meantime, that nil-nil draw with Bologna cannot now make the top four. Those uh, Champions League places are now locked up for Milan and Inter and Napoli and Juve following Napoli's 6-1 victory over Sassuolo and Juve's win over bottom of the table Venezia 2-1. Uh, both goals coming from Leonardo Bonucci on his 35th birthday. Uh, but... Uh, in terms of great atmospheres, of course, we had a cracking one this weekend in Genoa in the uh, Derby della Lanterna as Sampdoria took took on Genoa. Both teams still in the relegation battle, Genoa more than Samp, and a certain amount of backstory uh, to this game. <laughs> yeah, the 125th Derby della Lanterna, James. Um, I mean, Samp were on that awful run going into it and there was a real feeling that they could get sucked into the the relegation mire, but they prevailed. Uh, I mean, th they took the lead through Abdelhamid Sabiri, um, who is on loan from second division Ascoli. Um, and Sabiri after the game was like, ah, maybe they'll make my move permanent now. Fantastic. Um, and then in the 96th minute, Genoa got a penalty, chance to equalize. And their captain, Domenico Criscito, stepped up. Criscito is been a long servant of Genoa, three spells, I think more than 300 games. And he'd scored his last eight penalties. Um, and this was the most important of all. And Emil Aldero, the, the Sampdoria keeper, he saved it. Um, Aldero, who'd been dropped for six games um, for Vladimiro Falcone, um, comes in and, and says this is the biggest save of his career. He went over to Crisito immediately afterwards, who'd sunk uh, onto his haunches and was crying because you know, both have lived in the city for a long, long time. They know how much that, that fixture means. And also what it means, I suppose, for Crisito's 
legacy, uh, mm. Matt Genoa, because his contract is up. He was expected to go to Toronto FC with Lorenzo Insigne. Uh, of course, Cristiano was part of a Genoa team that sent Samp down uh, in 2011 when Mauro Baselli scored in the same minute that Cristiano missed the penalty, which is <laughs> the 96th minute. And yeah, devastating uh, really for him potentially for the team as well, which looks like it could go down for the first time since um, what 2006-7. But uh, uh, inc- incredibly, James, I mean, the, the, the atmosphere uh, in the Gradinata Nord, which is, again, the penalty uh, was, was taken at that end, which is where the Genoa Ultras stand. And, um, and so it kind of made Aldero's penalty save all the more incredible, really, given what was going on behind him. Yeah. Um, but... The fans are still behind uh, the team, the new owners, the the new coach, um, who's, I think, lost maybe four of his last five games, but they really feel that he's the man who'll probably have to take them back up because um, Genoa's long stay uh, seems to be nearing an end in Serie Well, there's three points from safety. Calorie currently, or still, the team just on the right side of the dotted line with Salernitana and Genoa both three points behind the Sardinians. Salernitana, though, who have won three games in a row, have two games in hand, which they'll be playing Monday night and then Thursday against bottom of the table Venezia. And then next weekend, they'll be hosting Calorie in Salerno. So that'll be absolutely huge. Uh, two of those three teams will be going down almost certainly to Serie B. I mean, by the time our listeners download this podcast, Calorie mm. might have a new manager because... Um, yeah, it's, it's again all gone wrong for Walter Mazzari. Um I, I don't know if you saw that viral tweet um, the other day, James, which was the, um, the, the betting odds for the next Liverpool manager after Brendan Rodgers was ah, sacked. Yeah. And Jurgen Klopp was the favourite. And the second favourite was Mazzari. <laughs> He's now lost seven of his last eight games and, and, and may no longer be the calorie coach by the time that... Um, this podcast is released. So in another world, event. Jurgen Klopp's battling the drop at at uh, at Calorie. Extraordinary. <laughs> That's quite quite the other dimension. <laughs> mm. uh, infinite universes and that very good. We'll enjoy uh, the one that you're in, which involves the trip to the Ceramica, and we'll catch up with you next week. Pleasure. James Horncastle. Hmm. Uh, Roma's attempts to get through to their first European final since the UEFA Cup in 1991. If they're successful, they'll be facing either Marseille or Feyenoord. Some game last Thursday between those two. Jules? Yeah, really, really good. Marseille with a lot of defensive mistakes, which is not really... It's unlike them because Saliba has been fantastic this season because mm. Charlie Tetsa is a good is a good centre back. Right. And yet he made he made a terrible mistake on the, the Feyenoord third goal. But he leaves the second leg open with a velodrome that is gonna be incandescent. Really, the atmosphere is gonna be fantastic. If you want to see a real football atmosphere, then watch that game on Thursday night because it's gonna be very special. And and I hope for French football that Marseille do and qualify for, for that final because it would be a really good achievement for them to do that in what has been a, a really good season. So mm. it would be a shame if that don't go through and then they, they start maybe crumbling in the league as well. Indeed. Uh, Marseille currently trailing uh, 3-2 after the first leg in Holland. And yeah, you think that might see more goals than, 
than Roma Leicester. Entirely possible. The other two games being played on Thursday belong to the Europa League semi-finals as Eintracht Frankfurt welcome West Ham and uh, RB Leipzig take on Rangers. We'll hear Christoph's view on those games and more next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's good news for Watford fans as they get ready to appoint their fourth manager of the season. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply. Deutscher Meister, wenn jeder Sammy Potstein experience with Deutsche Meister Veneta VfL, lead singer of that, joins us now to discuss the Bundesliga, <laughs> Christoph Biermann. Christoph, Borkum. Wow, what a weekend. I was there. You were there. So, yes. there was at the Signaler Duna Park for the Ruhr Derby between. Uh, mighty Borussia Dortmund and Plucky, Plucky Borkum. What a game this was, Christoph. <laughs> yes, 2-0 up after eight minutes. With a second goal of which from Gerrit Holtman. Oh, my word. Gerrit Holtman schlenzt den Ball mit links, rechts, halb hoch ins Tor. Fantastic shot. And then... Uh, Dortmund equalized uh, after two handballs that was only spotted by the VAR, the nasty VAR. Nobody had seen it in the stadium, actually. So no protest by Borussia Dortmund players and so on. Equalized by Erling Haaland. And then it was Erling, Erling Haaland after the break with his third goal. And everybody was thinking, oh, here we go. Uh, losing four, five, whatever, and 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 to be honest, Borussia had loads of chances to to score more goals than uh, just three. But yes, in the last minutes, uh, Bochum turned the uh, turned it round and won four three, uh, the first ever win after twenty four years in Dortmund. So a great season. Uh, they stay up um, mm. for a second year, have beaten. Dortmund and Bayern scored the goal of the year last year in Germany and and so on and so on. So and and <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys have seen the uh, celebration of the players. They, that was actually fantastic because um, they uh, were in the uh, Bochum party area. Okay, it's a big word party area, but but there were they all the uh, pubs and uh, are. 
And some of the players were doing some kind of stage diving and uh, crowd surfing <laughs> uh, with the uh, with the Bochum fans there, and all of them had um, put on the most ugly team shirts in the history of Bochum. So yeah, it, it was it was it was a party. Wow, and it could continue because you're only three points off the top half now, mathematically safe, and almost in the top half of the Bundesliga. Oh, a quick word about another 17-year-old England youth international uh, turning up for Borussia Dortmund. Jamie Bino-Gittens, and, and he played actually uh, pretty well. He looked like a bit... I, I mean, he, he, um, he, he, was, he was instrumental in the build-up of one, one goal, the third goal by Erling Haaland, and he, he played actually really well. And I, I think he he's, was one of the... Very few reasons for Borussia Dortmund uh, supporters to be happy about this match. Uh, I think I can't think of any others because I think in general the uh, the atmosphere around Borussia Dortmund is pretty depressed because it fe feels like a wasted season or, or something like that. And um, and yeah, now we will see how 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 much they can rebuild the team for next season. Manuel Akanji is uh, obviously set to leave for Juventus Turin and uh, they uh, probably got uh, as a another central defender Nico Schlotterbeck who, uh, from Freiburg who played a fantastic season. There's a lot of talk about a striker from Start Reims, uh, Hugo Ekitike. Maybe you can tell me more about him, Jules, and uh, so he, he is mentioned pretty often and uh, Karim Adeyemi is uh, surely coming from Salzburg and so that, this will be a new team that we see for Borussia next year. He's really good, but he's still young, he needs a bit of time, he needs more experience, I think, a level not as high as Dortmund with, with, with less pressure and I think for that, Reims is... Reims is the best place for him to develop. Then he can he can sign for Dortmund and they give him another season on loan in France, for example. I was actually looking at Schlotterbeck because I think this is an amazing signing from Dortmund because mm. he had such a great season with Freiburg. And it's always the same, Christophe, though. I like a lot of the signing, a lot of the things that Dortmund do. But then when the season starts, it's always a shambles. And I just I just don't know where to stand with them. But yeah, Kitike would be great. Schlotterbeck is going to be fantastic for them, but it's, it's so hard to predict, isn't it? Because they're so unpredictable again. Yeah, I think the um, so the whole concept of bringing in a lot of young players um, to develop them to to the top level and eventually sell them like they did with Dembélé or with Jaden Sancho or now Erling Haaland really also has a downside because you get inexperienced players with with a, a immense talent but but the the general feeling in Dortmund is that it's probably too many players who don't see Borussia uh, Dortmund as the team they really want to play for but just as a stepping stone to uh, to bigger clubs and 
And, and, and I think they need to balance that out um, and uh, to still have this immense talent, but, but also to have more like a, a real team. And this season they didn't have a real team. And also, I mean, when you looked at Erling Haaland on, on, on Saturday, I mean, he scored three goals, but in a way he looked like a player who, who wanted to avoid an injury or so and just uh, finish the season so that he can go to somewhere else. And especially about him, I think it's it's a deep frustration among uh, Borussia Dortmund supporters. Just very quickly on uh, Dortmund, because the the net spend of Dortmund has to be has to be positive. I mean, they always sell for high prices and of course they invest money and all that, but they must have a lot of money somewhere there to spend, right? I mean, Enough money even to change the approach and to bring like experienced players. They are going to do that with Schule, yes. But uh, don't they have enough money just to pay for a couple of really big stars or at least like, uh, I don't know, experienced players who can actually uh, make this team take off a little bit more? They must have a lot of money. They, they they spend money on this kind of players. Emre Can is, is an example. Torgen Hazard, maybe Julian Brandt. So that, they were not coming in as rookies or, or super talents. They ha- had shown shown a bit already in, in football. But they, especially in this field, that transfers were not, not, not really, really good. I mean, they are excellent with these... Young super talents. Uh, they are. Uh, I mean, the story they are writing there is 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 fascinating. But the the rest of, of uh, the recruitment wasn't wasn't so good. And I think um, they are thinking about it a lot. I have been thinking about it uh, a lot in, in in recent months, especially during this season. Mm. Christoph, let's talk quickly about the Europa League semi-final second legs, because there's a possibility that that competition could bring us the first. All German final since 1980, at least in you know Europe's second continent. And Frankfurt Cup. was involved at, uh, mm. then. <laughs> was it Frankfurt, Borussia Mönchengladbach? I believe uh, it was. There hasn't been a German side in the final though since 2009. A German side hasn't won this or the equivalent competition since 1997. Rafa's mentioned in the past how the UEFA Cup stroke Europa League isn't really a priority or hasn't been for German sides. Has that changed? I mean, we have been talking about uh, Frankfurt and how, how, how much they uh, uh, took it to, to their heart, this Europa League. And um, I mean, maybe it's a bit the fault of Franz Beckenbauer because uh, uh, some years ago he was calling the UEFA Cup. I think at that time it, it, it still was the, the Cup of Losers. And uh, because you go there, because you, because you were not qualified for the Champions League. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if that's a, a general change, but, but you see with clubs like Frankfurt, who are really, um, their fans are really desperate for international experience. You had it on a lower level also with uh, Union Berlin when they were playing the Conference League. And Cologne is almost surely qualified for Europa next league, if it be uh, the Europa League or Conference League. And you will see the same. They will uh, they will travel uh, to the farthest corner of, of Europe to see their team play, and I think that's um, uh, that's important. And uh, and I think also this season will, will even 
make this uh, effect stronger because we could all see what Frankfurt is experience, uh, experiencing there. So, yeah, and, and if it would be a German final, yeah, that would be fascinating because although a lot of German football fans would say, oh, we would rather see uh, Frankfurt playing Glasgow Rangers than RB right. Leipzig because they are so, so hated in Germany. And Leipzig... Leipzig has to play all their cards available because right now they are fifth in the Bundesliga. They are playing on Monday. It's not sure that they are going to qualify for the Champions League. So they have a chance here by winning the Europa League to be in next season's Champions League as well. Yeah, but, but that's even more true for Frankfurt because they don't have a chance for international football uh, now. Uh, only if they win it, they, they will play international football next season. Mm. But both sides have a one-goal lead from the first leg. Leipzig, who were one-nil winners at home to Rangers. Frankfurt, who were two-one winners away at West Ham. West Ham, perhaps unlucky to to come away with a defeat. And that would you would you say, Christoph? And they'll they'll no doubt be bullish about their chances of turning it around. What, what do you think about the uh, Frankfurt West Ham game? Yeah, I, I, I so I'm, I'm, I've been talking a lot about this emotional approach of, of Frankfurt to the whole thing. But when you, uh, I, I found them also, and, and that was also true for, for, for the other games against Barcelona and so on, they are a tactically very well organized team. And I think they played very well in London. And, and I was surprised to see that um, West Ham were not able to put as much pressure on them uh, as I, I would have expected. And uh, and also I had the impression they were not as well organized uh, or good enough organized to, to press them high, to stress them. So Frankfurt had a lot of times during the match to uh, play some kind of uninterrupted football that I wouldn't have expected to see. So we talked about it. I, I saw uh, West Ham as a big favorite, and they have have still a chance to um, to, to get to the final. But after the first leg, I, I would say that um, uh, Frankfurt has the better cards now uh, for mm. going to Sevilla, and to to face Leipzig or the universally popular Rangers. <laughs> I, I I go for the Rangers. <laughs> There you go. Uh, but 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 Leipzig is a is a is a very is a very strong team and um, and they it's also true for them that they are well organized and they have a lot of individual uh, qualities. So in fact, it's it's more maybe the chance is better for for Leipzig. Mm. All right, Christoph, we should see what happens on Thursday and look forward to catching up with you again next week. Cheers, guys. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Amazing scenes in Turkey uh, this weekend. What seemed like the entire population of Trabzon taking to the streets with little glow sticks to celebrate Trabzonspor's first title in 38 years. The Black Sea Storm, who we discussed uh, at length, of course, on this show in the past, uh, conquering the, the title with a 2-2 draw against Antalya Spor. And, uh, yeah, the entire town doing one. Uh, lovely to see, you know. Amazing. First title since 1984. Mm. And as always with those titles, you know, you look at the squad and you say, oh my God, he's there. You know, Bruno Perez, remember him? <laughs> he's there. Marek Hamsik, he's there. Cornelius is there. Javinho is there. Edin mm. Vizca, who did the same with Bashak Sheher, is there. It's, it's incredible. You it's know, like they... opening an old Panini album. Yeah, really? exactly. Mm. <laughs> it's great stories. And the, big, the usual big boys have been dreadful this season. So it's good that someone different wins it. Absolutely. It's their seventh title ever. Some way short of the current world best, or at least European best, which belongs to, Alvaro? It belongs to Linfield, the Irish club that has won 56 titles. They won the title this weekend, meaning that no team in Europe has won more domestic titles than them. Okay, 56 titles. Their manager is David Healy. Remember him? Who famously got 13 goals for Northern Ireland in qualifying for the Euro 2008 tournament, which means that he's still actually the joint record holder for most goals in a Euro qualifying campaign, along with uh, alongside uh, Robert Lewandowski. So, hmm. anyway, David Healy now managing Linfield. It's a great success. I mean, it sounds like you could manage Linfield to the title, clearly, because they're winning every year, no? <laughs> <laughs> I take your point, Jules. In, in Ligue 1, possibly I could manage PSG to the title as well. Yeah, of course you can, my friend. Anytime. Right. You, you can't do worse okay. than Pochettino or Mauricio, Ma, Mauricio Pinocchio this weekend. Oh, OK. PSG, who had a 3-3 draw with Strasbourg this time around. Strasbourg went a goal up. Paris Saint-Germain equalised. And they went 3-1 up. Strasbourg came back. But Paris Saint-Germain won the title. Season's over, no? Yeah, they're on holidays, yeah. pretty much. Right. Yeah, and they let the two-goal advantage slip, as they do in the last uh, few minutes of the game, you know. They scored a, a really lovely second goal, a right. collective goal, but yeah, they were not really that bothered. Who's going to be in charge next year, Jules? You, no? Because I am available. Yeah, 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 I thought it was you. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, it's you, Thiago Mota, Joachim Love, apparently, was, right. was mentioned in the discussion from the Emir. It looks mm. like the Emir has taken... It's taken this more personally, maybe, than, than, than usually would happen, like, you know, the sporting director or the president. It looks like the Emir is quite involved. 
and Zidane stays the, the, the favorite, the priority. The Emir obviously knows him really well. They've been working together. Zidane has been um, almost some sort of ambassador for Qatar for a long time. So they still hope that they will convince him and he will say yes. Poch will go, of course, and do whatever he wants, play golf or cook and can take a sabbatical or something and then they will search for the next one. I like the idea of Thiago Mota. I don't think it would be a good idea, but I like the idea. Joachim okay. Love, no thanks. No thanks. Um, Zidane, yeah, Zidane would be, I think, the best choice. By the way, that wasn't me mentioned in connection with the job. It was a picture of Eric Ten Hag, but I can understand the c confusion there. Uh, <laughs> we talked about Marseille coming a cropper at home to Olympic Lyon. It leaves things so very tight in the race for European football behind Paris Saint-Germain. Three points separating second, third and fourth, which is Marseille, Rennes and Monaco. And Lyon are, Lyon are not completely out of the picture in terms no. of Europa Conference or, or possibly Europa League even. Yeah, you're right, because then after that, you've got Strasbourg and Nice. And as you said, Lyon, who's gonna, who, are, who will fight it, sorry, in the last three games now, to go and try to snatch... Fifth place, sixth place, we've got the cup final where Nice are involved and maybe you think if Nice win that, which would be their, their first title in 25 years, then I think the league maybe for them would not matter so much. So maybe Lyon can benefit from it. But Strasbourg looking good, as we saw against PSG. I think the most fascinating is to see what Marseille do now, especially mm. after that second leg against Feyenoord, if they get knocked out or if, even if they qualify, what happened to the league form because behind Monaco have won seven in seven. Rennes are great because they score so many goals that they can win against anyone. I guess they, they've lost a few recently. but So Marseille was just a three-point lead is, and they've got the similar goal difference to Monaco, but much less than Rennes, for example. So if Rennes can come back, it's going to make it for a fascinating uh, last three games. And, and the last two games in France are all at the same time. So you watch all the Ooh. game together. So no one knows. There's no like, I play before you, so I win and I put you under pressure kind of thing. It's all at the same time together. And, and it's always fascinating to follow because you know what they all need. And, and you see and someone score a goal and then this, the table changes and then someone else is going to be great until the end. Right. Three rounds to go. Very, very exciting. Excellent. Anything else from Ligue 1, Jules? Only that Bordeaux is, are still digging their, their own um, grave. As we, you know, as we said, men, we mentioned before, it's going from bad to worse right. for them. They lost again this weekend. Uh, Mets looking looking trouble too. So we don't have officially a team relegated yet, but those two mm. are getting close, unfortunately, for them. All right. Saint-Étienne as well, still in the relegation playoff spot. Yeah. Two points from Clément Foot and safety. Uh, what about in La Liga, Alvaro? What about Atletico Madrid ahead of next weekend's Madrid derby? Taking on your lot, Athletic Club de Bilbao. Yes, and we beat them 2-0. Uh, we beat them and we were better than them. And uh, it was even easy. Uh, I know that Atletico de Madrid lately have suffered at San Mamés or against Athletic Club Bilbao. In fact, this mm. season, I think that we have done, if not the double against Atletico de Madrid in the league, but we definitely beat them in the Super Cup. We have beaten yeah, them in San Mamés yeah. right now. Yeah, it's been good uh, against Atletico for us this season. Uh, the first goal, well, Iñaki Williams just embarrassed Jimenez because they fought for a ball. Iñaki Williams was far quicker than Jimenez, far stronger when they crashed. And, uh, you know, 
Williams didn't score, it was a known goal by an Atletico player, hermoso, I think. But anyway, that uh, set the tone for the rest of the game and in the second half. Atletic Club Bilbao wrap it up uh, with the penalty from Iñaki Williams. He scored it, the Panenka way, probably the first time I see Iñaki Williams taking a penalty in that fashion. Well, he scored it, 3-0 for Atletic Club Bilbao. And we are a point away from Villarreal. We are fighting to qualify for the Conference League. Villarreal, we know that they are involved uh, in too many things. And at the minute, Atletic Club Bilbao is uh, cutting the deficit with them back. But Atlético de Madrid season has been abysmal. I mean, mm. they are defending the title and we don't even know if they are going to qualify for the Champions League because if Betis wins their game against Getafe, they are only one point away from Atlético de Madrid. The fourth spot is, is still Atlético's. And this is the worst season I can remember with Simeone. He has never suffered so many defeats in a league. 90 season. Uh, many players, they are not giving the level. Antoine Griezmann has scored only two or three goals in La Liga, which is something that he doesn't do. And uh, defensively, they are very leaky as well. Uh, the only thing that they did well in 2022, really, was... Uh, beating Manchester United. But apart from that, the season has been pretty disastrous. So, you know, this is the lowest point in Simeone's uh, stint as Atletico manager. And the difference with Real Madrid is massive. I mean, Real Madrid this season, um, they managed to collect many points. They managed to make a really strong team despite losing Varane and Sergio Ramos this summer. They changed the centre-back line completely. And they have become the best defensive side that side that Atletico was in the past and Atletico hasn't improved anything, you know, because if your defense gets worse, at least you have to improve your attack just to keep on hitting the same numbers well, that hasn't been the case for Atletico Quite the opposite, they failed to score in five of their last six games They are, as you mentioned, only four points ahead of Betis who have the game in hand and also quite worrying for Diego Simeone the final four games for Atleti Start off with Real Madrid at the Wanda Metropolitana this coming <laughs> Sunday, but there's also Real Sociedad and Sevilla in there. Yeah, it's, it's very tough. It's tough for everyone, really, because uh, Sevilla has to play against Villarreal and Atletico and Athletic Club Bilbao, mm. and Betis has to play against Barcelona, Madrid and Valencia. So... It's going to be tough for them. The calendar has uh, some traps on the horizon for um, all the clubs fighting uh, to qualify for the Champions League. But the truth is that right now, Atletico or Atletico fans are not talking about that exactly. Uh, funnily, they are talking about uh, whether they should do a guard of honor to Real Madrid because you know that they won the title last weekend. They are playing at Wanda Metropolitano at Sunday, 8 p.m. UK time. And, uh, you know, uh, there is always this discussion. And for many fans... And even for some players, doing the guard of honor is a humiliation. So let's see if that happens. It should happen. In my opinion, it should happen. But this is uh, the trending topic in Madrid right now. Huh. All right. Well, that's coming up Sunday night. Could be a huge game against a Real Madrid team who may well ha have other fish to fry by that point. We shall see. Meantime, Barcelona in second place. Ooh, finally ending that losing streak they'd had at the Camp Nou with a 2-1 win over Mallorca. Yeah, the truth is that Mallorca lately has been really way away from home. They have lost nine in a, in a row away. Uh, and Barcelona didn't play particularly well. It was another Ronald Koeman-type performance, you know, and uh, Xavi oh. came to change that. Uh, yeah, Barcelona won. Uh, it was 2-0 at some point for them, and then 2-1. And the last 15-20 minutes were not exactly a survival, but a little bit of an agony for Barcelona. Memphis scored the first goal. It was a very good goal, I have to say. Uh, he's still Barcelona's top scorer in the league. So even if his season has been inconsistent, he has managed to deliver. And I really hope that Memphis gets a second season at Barcelona to prove his worth. 
And then Busquets scored a um, screamer as well. And it's the second time in about a month that he scores from outside the box. He scored against Frankfurt, he did against Mallorca. And the truth is that he was probably, again, one of the good players of Barcelona. But yeah, generally speaking, this time of the season is not particularly gratifying for the eye of a Barcelona fan. The good thing is that now they've got 66 points and they are very close to qualifying for the Champions League, which right now is the only target left. Okay. They also got Fatty back uh, at the weekend. Yeah. Mm, yeah, is... but he wasn't very mobile, Jimbo. I think that uh, he's still not 100%. I mean, he, he wasn't he wasn't uh, pressing for the ball as much as uh, I have seen him done in the past. I see. All right, well, much tension ahead of those final rounds in Spain as elsewhere around Europe. Uh, next up, uh, we'll enjoy those midweek second legs and, of course, next week have thoughts on those and much, much more. Uh, that kind of rounds it up for for today. Jules, is there anything that you'd like to add? No, great show. Magnificent. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alvaro. Thank you, producer Charlie and James Horncastle, Christoph Beerman, and you, listener. Have a great week. Enjoy those games. We'll speak to you next Tuesday. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.